Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, the things we can all do to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Today is March 24th, 2015, and this is episode 1541 of the Survival Podcast, and today is called Reclaiming Our Sovereign Food Rights. This uh, builds on an episode we did last week on the educational system and basically replacing the education system with something that works, but rather than trying to reform it. Reclaiming our sovereign rights, our rights to educate ourselves and our children the way we see fit, the right to nourish ourselves and feed ourselves the way we see fit. We're going to take on other things as well in this series. We're going to take on how we receive and provide for our own energy sources. We're going to take on health. And we're going to take on a variety of other things. When it comes down to it, the reality is the people in power have targeted every single thing that actually allows people to live. They've targeted the survival needs, food, water, shelter, energy, security, for total control. They've targeted energy for total control. They've tar targeted health for total control. They do not want you to have a choice, and I will prove that to you today, that the people in power actually believe that you do not have a fundamental right to choose these things for yourself. Before we get into that, let's go ahead and take care of our sponsors. They do a lot to help take care of you. Sponsor of the day number one, HarvestEating.com. I'm talking about food today. Growing your own, buying local, guerrilla gardening. You're going to learn about something today I call weapons of mass creation. And if you're going to go through all this trouble to get local food, grow your own food, produce your own food, learn how to forage, all this other stuff, if you're going to do that, then what I think you should do is be able to really do a good job with that food as ingredients when you're making dinner for your family. Get on over to HarvestEating.com where Chef Keith Snow will show you how to do just that and provide great seasonings for you to do that with as well. He has an amazing YouTube channel. He has great seasonings. He has a great blog. He has a great podcast. Check it out today. And remember, if you're a member of the Support Brigade, you get a discount on all the things that Chef Keith Snell has for sale on his website. Next up today, Backwoods Home Magazine. Um, when it comes to liberty, Backwoods Home is a, an amazing, amazing publication. Uh, it's been on the uh, newsstands now for, I think, close to 30 years. I've been a subscriber for 21 years. So clearly my endorsement uh, stands with the fact that I've been a customer for over two decades. Uh, I often refer to them being something along the lines of Mother Earth News with a libertarian flair. I think one of the big things you need to understand is that libertarian flair uh, if you're considering becoming a subscriber to Backwoods Home Magazine. Because when it comes to liberty, unless you have the skills and the knowledge necessary to provide for yourself, you're never going to have liberty. I believe that that is the central theme, the central message of Backwoods Home Magazine. And again, I speak as a subscriber with 20 years of experience uh, reading their publication. Check them out today at backwoodshome.com. Remember, they also have a special deal for subscribers if you are a member of the Support Brigade. With that, let's take a look at the uh, Bombwell's Plan of the Week this week. We have something today called Miracle Fruit. Now, I, my hackles always go up when someone uses the word miracle, uh, though I do remember the miracle on ice of the 1980. 
Um, but this one really is kind of sort of one of nature's miracles in what it's able to do. Let me read to you about this. Miracle fruit has a unique glycol protein that inhibits taste buds, perception of sour taste, for up to half an hour to a couple of hours. They can make lemons taste like lemon candy. The fruit can be used to enhance the flavor of grapefruit, strawberries, lychees. The fruit also acts as an appetite stimulant for chemotherapy patients. The effects of glycol protein mask the metallic taste of food tends to get after chemo treatment. The plants are best grown in containers, and they can remain in seven-gallon pots indefinitely. Find this plant more at BobWellsNursery.com. Bob Wells Nursery specializes in anything edible, fruit trees, berry plants, nut trees, as well as hard-to-find specialty trees. I've got to give this thing a whirl. I've got to get my hands on a couple of these and uh, see if this really does what it says it does. And I'm wondering, like, can the berries be dried to be stored or, or what have you or made into any kind of a storable thing? Are they only usable when they're fresh? I, I'd like to know more about this plant. This is a brand new one to me, and that's what, one thing we look to Bob Wells for is to bring us new plants every week that we can learn more about. So check out Miracle Fruit at BobWellsNursery.com. Last but not least, before we get to our history segment, do consider joining the Member Support Brigade. If you believe in the work that I'm doing here, that's how you can support it, by becoming a member of our Support Brigade. In return, you'll get discounts to over 40 companies. You'll get over $200 worth of free eBooks on day one. And uh, it is a product that will pay you back what it costs you at $50 a year. It's 18.3 cents an episode. Military, law enforcement, Peace Corps, And first responders like EMTs, paramedics, and firefighters all qualify for a service discount uh, for the service you do for our country, either at home or abroad, and or abroad, I should say. And uh, email me with service discount TSPC in the subject line before, not after you join to get that discount code. Everybody else, just go to the survivalpodcast.com, click on members, or the Members Brigade banner that you'll see at the website to learn more about how to sign up. Remember, if for some reason, whatever it is in your world, you hate PayPal, I do take payment through Bitcoin. I also take payment through the United States Postal Service. If you're going to pay by silver through the USPS, whether it pisses people off that work there or not, let me tell you, items are stolen while in transport by the United States Postal Service. It is not the USPS of the 1980s that you remember where it's all trustworthy. So make sure if you're sending silver, you pack it in a way that they cannot get to it. A padded envelope is best. A couple pieces of cardboard taped together with the coins inside it are another good way to go. If you send me a coin or two or three, depending on how many years you want to buy at one time, in an envelope where it can be felt, it is almost certain that it will be stolen by the thieves at the USPS. This in no way is to infer that all members, or even most members, just there's enough of them that it is a problem. Anyway, with that, let's get into uh, the history segment today. 1541, we have the insanity defense denied, mostly. My name is Diego Alagoro. Uh, you killed my father. Prepare to die. I did not have sex with that woman. I'm going to read, my name is Diego Almagoro. I guess that's Goro. Uh, you killed my father, prepare to die. A few years ago, the Pizarro brothers had Diego Amagaro's father executed and left the family penniless. Diego wants revenge, and he will have it. Ferdinando Pizarro has heard that Diego is coming, so he holds up in his palace in Lima. Diego goes after him. Apparently, Fernando never thought that Diego would try something so brazen, 
As Fernando struggles to put on his fighting gear, several of his friends are killed. Fernando manages to kill three of his attackers before he dies with a sword through the throat. That'll do it, won't it? Diego, the son of a Spaniard and an Indian woman, declares himself governor of Peru. I guess that's how you got to be governor back then. You stabbed the existing governor through the throat with a sword. The state can do nothing without the threat of violence at the point of a gun or a sword. Somebody said that before. Anyway, in 1977, this is Alex Shrug's take, archaeologists found Pizarro's head in a box. The body itself suffered from multiple stab wounds regarding revenge. It's an old story. Children grow up, feel the injustice of their father's death, and come back to bite you. That is how the king of Denmark lost Sweden. That is why the Middle East has remained unstable all these years. In the early 1900s, the British made promises of autonomy to the Arabs who helped them fight the Ottoman Empire. This is when Lawrence of Arabia made his reputation, but Britain and France made a secret side agreement with an okay from Russia to split up the Middle East amongst themselves. The secret got out, and now the children of those Arabs no longer trust the word of the West because our fathers lied to their fathers. The children will no longer listen to the promises of the West. Given how the USA has kept its promises so far, it's easy to doubt us. Yeah, um, before I get into that, let me just point out something interesting that's starting to happen here by the 1540s. Initial expeditions to the New World where people went here, they explored, they did some stuff, maybe they set some things up, they left somebody behind and they went home, and then people rotated out, and people went back and forth. You're starting to see that settlements are becoming permanent. People are making one-way trips to the New World. It's something to think about. Anyway, um, yeah, the U.S. and keeping our promises. There's an old saying, if you trust the government, talk to an Indian before you continue to trust the government. Um, and I, I think that there's a lot to be learned there. And I think that the big thing that we need to let go of in this nation, if we're ever going to fix the problems we have, is what I call blind patriotism, or what is blind patriotism. I see it all the time. When, if anybody doesn't do whatever you think is patriotic, all of a sudden we'll slander them. He didn't say the Pledge of Allegiance. He doesn't stand for the, uh, the national anthem or whatever. And, you know... I don't fault you if you do. In fact, I'm the person that when the national anthem's played, I stand. Um, I'm not mesmerized into blind obedience to the state by it, but I stand out of respect, and I, I get the point. The Pledge of Allegiance, you won't catch me involved in group prayer uh, to the state. I'm sorry. If you want to participate, I don't fault you for it. I understand why you do, but... I'm not reciting a group prayer to a cloth written by a Christian socialist for the purpose of uh, spreading the socialistic message through our school system and so that his uncle could sell a flag to every school district in the United States of America. Yes, that's the real story, and yes, the real story matters. When I put that out before, I had people tell me, that doesn't matter anymore. I, I think it does. I think if you're going to condemn somebody for abstaining from something to say that the origin of it doesn't matter is a little bit confusing to me. So I think that one of the reasons that we need to let go of this blind patriotism is we're all acting like a bunch of addicts that have yet to admit the fact that we're addicts. Now, how is a person that's addicted to meth going to kick the meth habit if they won't admit I'm a meth addict? I mean, it's a base, the basic 10-step program you know, for drugs, uh, what is it, Alcoholics Anonymous, Drug Addicts Anonymous, etc. The first step is to admit that I have a problem. Well, if we're engaged in blind patriotism, we're not going to admit that we've broken our word as a nation in the past and start to say to ourselves, well, if that's wrong, how do we not do it again? 
As long as we just say everything we do is wonderful, everything we do is okay, we should just keep going on the way we are, then, then what reason does the rest of the world even have to, to believe that the United States' this word means anything? Now, I'll actually tell you something shocking here for just a second until you understand it. I actually implicitly trust the government of the United States. <gasps> really? Doesn't sound like Jack. Hold on. Two, act in the best interest of themselves and the best interests of the people that pay them, and I don't mean the tawdry salary they get as a congressman, I mean the lobbyists that pay them in perpetuity until such time as we say enough is enough. I trust that the government of the United States will keep its word to one of our allies when that behooves them, and that we will break our word when it is in what they perceive as their best interest and the best interest of the corporatocracy. So, I, it's not that I don't trust our government. It's I trust them to be what they are. I trust them like I trust the snake. I know the nature of the snake. I know how it acts. I know how to handle it. I know how to deal with it. I know how, it, how dangerous it might be depending on what kind of snake it is and what situation we're in. And I don't trust the snake not to bite because the snake in its nature is a creature that may bite. Even a docile snake may bite due to two things, one being frightened, and therefore will have what's called a defensive bite. And so even a snake that's grown up in captivity and has always been calm and placid and never bit anybody can bite. And also from a feeding error, it's confused by scent, smell, movement, etc., and believes that whatever you are is its prey. Those two things do happen with snakes. So I trust the snake to be a snake, and to work with a snake, I need to understand it. And trust doesn't mean I'm willing to let it crawl around on the floor with a baby like a moron. Some of you have seen that video. Idiot. The snake does not have a rational thought process and can turn at any time. Not because it's evil, because it's its nature. That's the nature of the state. So I trust our state to do exactly what it's always done. Whatever's in its own best interest. And what's ever in the best interest of the people with the money that control it. I'd like you to think about that as we go through today's show, because today we are talking about reclaiming one of the most fundamental human rights we have, which to me is food. I'd like to read from the show notes for you today, though, because I think it's important to really understand and set the stage for where we're at. We live in a world where the majority of our food contains known toxic substances now. If you go in a grocery store, most of it does. Slowly, even the establishment is admitting this. The World Health Organization finally admitted this week that Roundup, which is the most popular herbicide in agriculture, likely causes cancer. And there's a link to the World Health or, uh, admission here uh, for non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Well, let me just say that I think if something causes non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, it probably causes other cancers as well, which we've always contended about Roundup or glyphosate. Keep in mind that anything with soy as an ingredient in the U.S., if it's not certified organic, likely contains significant amounts of Roundup. Because soy is mostly a Roundup-ready crop today. Most of the soy that's out there being planted in the fields throughout the country is Roundup-ready, which means they literally spray it multiple times with Roundup while it's growing. The Roundup is taken up into the plant, and you eat it when you eat soy products. Soy is in almost everything that you buy today. And if soy is not there, corn is. And then we have atrazine and other things that are in the corn, which are also GMO'd to be able to be sprayed with this stuff. So that's just corn and soy. But corn and soy, and cotton, by the way, covers 90% of what you'll find in the grocery store that's in the center of the grocery store, the food that most people eat. Several years ago, 
a United States federal court in Wisconsin, a judge ruled the following. You have no fundamental right to determine what food goes into your body. This same oath-breaking traitorous judge then promptly quit his judgeship and was rewarded with a high-paying position working for a Monsanto-supporting law firm. This is the nation you live in. All of this has continued to get worse. Small farmer after small farmer is attacked by busybody yuppies who want to anamorphize cattle and hogs and politicians writing rules for animal husbandry that don't know a cow's udder from a cow's ass. I could go on, but at this point it's clear. When one of the biggest names in sustainable agriculture has to write a book called Everything I Want to Do is Illegal, that would be Joel Salatin, the problem could not be more evident. Today we continue a multi-part series. We began last week with our show on education on reclaiming our sovereign rights as men and women in a world of ever-increasing tyranny. And when I say that we live in a world of ever-increasing tyranny, people tend to see that as hype, and the United States is not a tyranny. Um, listen, man, when you can have somebody come take away your livelihood because the, the water that you had out for your pigs was frozen for a couple days in the middle of one of the worst winters in history, we live in a tyranny. I have a, I have a picture from a, a story about um, hogs being interfered with in another I'm sorry another event um, recently and it shows a bunch of hogs packed at high density where the hogs can't even move and this is acceptable and then it shows hogs out on pasture being happy and being pigs and it's just unacceptable and, and my caption on that photo is only in the mind of a status does this make sense. Um, this is the world we live in now. This is a tyranny. When people are told you have no... I want you to really let this go into your brain for a second. When a judge in this country sets legal precedent by stating you... Understand that you means you. I want you right now, touch yourself, touch your chest. Get in touch with this, okay? You, not me, not somebody else, you... Do not have a fundamental right to choose your own food. We live in a tyranny. Please let that be personal for just one second. It's not arbitrary. It's not something that doesn't pertain to you. Yes, it happened in Wisconsin. I know you're not from Wisconsin. This was a federal judge. This is now legal precedent. Until such time it is successfully challenged, it can be used in courts all over this country against You understand, I really, I know this seems ridiculous, but I almost feel like most of you need to stop what you're doing right now and go look in the mirror and understand that is you. That's who this pertains to. You live in a country that believes you do not have a fundamental right to choose what food you consume. Think about that. So I want to ask you a question. Do you believe you have a right to choose your own food? Do you believe you do? Do you believe it's wrong to be told that you don't? Or do you agree with the state? If you believe that you have a fundamental right to choose the food that goes into your body, then I need you to do three things. First, act like it. Second, do it. Take initiative. And three, take control. Do something. Make a stand here. If you will not make a stand for your food, where will you? Think about this. 
This is the one place where you can immediately do something right now, today, to take a stand. They have interfered with your right to choose what you eat and what you feed to your family. Think about it, please. I mean, remember the old it was like newsroom or something like that where the guy says, first you've got to get mad. This is, this is that place. You have to be angry about this. Now, you don't have to be raving like a lunatic and screaming and yelling, running down the street, I hate the government, but you should be angered by what I've told you so far. One more time, to see if you got a pulse. A United States judge ruled in a court of law setting legal precedent that you, fill in the blank with your name so you get it through your thick skull, do not have the right to choose which food you put into your body, period. And right now, that is the legal precedent law of the land, and this bastard now works for Monsanto, one of the biggest ag chemical companies in the world, being paid three to four times what he was paid as a judge when he used the power entrusted in him by the people to tell the people to shut the hell up and eat what the government says. If that doesn't piss you off, something is wrong with your soul. You should be infuriated by that. So act like it, take control, and do something. And now let's understand the problem. One of the biggest problems that we have today is one-size-fits-all regulation. The food safety regulations today are not written for people that pasture pork. They are not written for people that grass-feed beef. They are not written for people that tractor chickens. They are not written for people that paddock shift ducks. They are not written for people that milk goats. They are not written for people who manage animals like animals. They're written for people that manage animals like slaves. They are written to make sure you don't die when you eat a piece of chicken that was raised in a chicken house where the chickens shit on top of each other nonstop all day long and never once in their miserable 38 days of life even see the sun. They're written for that. They're written for a system where chickens have to have their beaks burned off because they're packed so tightly if they don't do that, they will peck out each other's eyes. They are written for a system where when people come to take the chickens to slaughter, they make a pile, a pile of dead, rotting, stinking corpses of chickens that died from inhaling their own shit for too long and didn't make it long enough to be mercifully slaughtered. They're written for a system where once a chicken is eviscerated, it is dumped into a poop soup of chlorine to kill the E. coli to an acceptable level where it's less likely to make you sick if you cook the living shit out of it. That's what they're written for. They're written for a system that shoves a pig into a cage where it can't stand up and it can't turn around while its, 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 its babies suckle on it on its side and it can't even get up. This is what the regulations are written for and they're being applied to people who have the decency to treat animals with respect and dignity. 
these are regulations written for slave owners and being applied to people who don't keep slaves. Do you get that? And it is wrong, wrong, wrong. And every member of our government that is a part of this is a traitor to the Constitution that they swore an oath to. And every bureaucrat that participates in this shit is part of the problem. And most of them have no idea that they're part of a problem because they're too damn stupid to know anything about the job they actually have. And they haven't been trained and they haven't been taught and they literally do not know the difference between a bull and a cow. Well, this one has one big udder. Let me pull on it and see what happens. These are the idiots writing regulations. And they're writing regulations that should not apply to the people they're being applied to at all, the end infinity. We also have federal interference at state-level commerce. The government of Washington, D.C. should not have a thing to say about a cow raised in Texas, sold to a Texan, butchered by a Texan, and eaten by a Texan. It should have absolutely 100% no say at all, the end, by our Constitution. And just because a shitty-ass president that some people idolize was able to threaten the Supreme Court into doing his bidding by threatening to put more justices on the court, in opposition to the Constitution, by the way, and get one legal precedent out of our Supreme Court that says that the, the federal government can regulate in-state agricultural commerce doesn't mean it's constitutional, it doesn't mean it's right, and it doesn't mean that you and your state have to tolerate their bullshit, period, the end. It is time to push back. If you grow a chicken in Florida and it's sold to a Floridian, no one higher than the state of Florida should have a damn thing to say about it, period. Period. And just because your state legislatures don't have the balls to stand up and make that happen doesn't mean that you don't have the balls to stand up and make that happen. And maybe they need to be put on notice that if they're not willing to do it, we can get someone else to do their damn jobs. Because this is like one of the few issues that I think political action on makes sense if it's done at the state level and below, and we'll get to that in a second. The next thing we have is a problem is you have stupid people in power and dumber people influencing it. We have people driving by looking at cows... They're all standing at a gate and going, look at how crammed together those cows are. Well, they're waiting for the rancher to come out and open the gate like he does every day to feed and water them. Because they're trained to do that. Because they're not as dumb as you. We have people going, look at the, look at the pig. It's, it's outside. The, it's in the snow. It likes it there, idiot. It is not your dog. It is not your Pomeranian. It is a pig. It is a, it is a forest animal. It is native to temperate forest regions where everything freezes and everything snows. You are a moron. Do not interfere with what you do not understand. But these people will continue to interfere, and the stupid people are the ones they listen to because the stupid people are easily led, and the stupid people participate in their system. There is no getting around this at the federal level. It has to be done at the state level and below. And that is where just a small coalition of people with a brain can intimidate, and I mean the word intimidate, elected officials and bureaucrats into using their damn brain just enough to get the hell out of the way of people trying to solve the problem that those idiots created in the first place. And it has to be done, and it has to be done now. We also have a, a, a reality. Big food wants total control. When any state 
proposes the concept of something as simple as labeling GMOs, not outlawing them, simply labeling them. Mega corporations, multi-billion dollar corporatocracies move in with slander campaigns and I believe even with fraud to prevent that from happening. It's time for it to stop. But you have to understand the problem first. People like Monsanto and Conagra and, and, and Nestle and Kellogg and Tyson and Smithfield, they want 100% total control of the market. They do not want anybody existing on any level competing with them at all, period. They want 100% control of what you eat, and they've bought a government that's told you you don't have a choice. You have no fundamental right to choose what goes into your body. Please keep that at the forefront of your temporal lobe for this entire podcast. That is the, that is the enemy you are fighting, a government that believes you do not have a right to choose what you eat. You cannot understand the depth of this problem if you don't understand that. And if you talk to most politicians in our government today, and most bureaucrats in our government today, they would tell you if they had an honest moment that they agree with that. That you are not smart enough to be trusted to make your own choices. That raw milk will kill you, even though we have 10,000 years of people not dying from it. They believe in what they're doing because they're that stupid. And they are on the payrolls of all the big corporations, including the big food corporations, the big ag corporations, and the big chemical corporations. Which, by the way, are mostly owned by the same people when it all comes down to it. And all of them are owned by the banks who want control of your money. This is the world you live in. And I want, to under, I want you to really understand something that's really important to temper this with. There are a lot of people in government, in bureaucratic positions that simply think they're helping, but they're not. They believe their own bullshit. When they go out and take somebody's pigs away, they really think they're doing the right thing. They believe that pigs belong in a dark, lonely place crammed in with other pigs where they can be monitored 24-7 because they really think somebody's going to get sick by a pig that runs around in a field and acts like a pig. They're too stupid to have their jobs. And when I say stupid, it might not be the right word. They are ignorant of the subject matter which they are entrusted with policing. They don't know anything about pastured animals. They don't know anything about you know, growing food beyond organic. They actually think that animals and vegetables must be separated in a system when there's no way to build a sustainable system at all that separates the plant and the animal kingdoms. They must be put together to build sustainability. They claim to want sustainability, and most of them at these mid-level and low-level positions that are the enforcers of these policies, of the politicians, the bureaucrats, and the wealthy, don't really understand that. They really don't get it. They're really idiots. They are people that say stupid shit like, well, who would eat raw kale? No one does that. Morons. There are people that say things like, We have no idea how GMO wheat got out into the open. We have very strict regulations against it. As though the wheat gives a shit about their regulations. This is the mindset of the morons that are doing this. So what are the solutions to this? Let's start with the political ones. Because again, I think this is a place where politics work. If they're applied at the local and state level. So I think the first thing that we all need to be doing is reaching out into our states and our, our regions within our states. I mean, the state of Texas... With, with no bravado, really could be a nation unto itself. 
And the politics of, of, of the north-central Texas area are very different than the northeast Texas, Texarkana area, which are very different from Austin, which are very different from Houston. And, and so a state the size of Texas and many other states needs, like, broad coalitions and then, and then like, nano-coalitions within them. But we need to be reaching out to each other. These don't need to be, you know, some kind of really complicated thing. They just need to be people that say, hey, look, if I'm informed and I know what's going on and there's anything I can do, I'll go do it. If I can make a phone call, if I can write a letter, if I can call the media, you tell me what's going on where we need to get some shit done and I'm in. And we need those local coalitions and those state coalitions to be strong. And they get strong one way and one way only. Numbers. We need 10,000 people in every state. Way more than I have in this entire audience. I could give you 10,000 out of maybe 11 and 12 states. Right? 10,000 per state for 11 and 12 states total. Bucks. We need way more than that. If there's 10,000 people in your state committed to local food, your state will become a champion of local food. I promise you. 10,000 people that every time some farmers attacked call every local news outlet, every newspaper, every TV station, every local blogger, and, and like... Just hammer it to like the, the, the thing shut down. Channel 5 News, what just, uh, uh, okay, yeah, we already heard about that. Uh, yeah, we're, we're on, hold on, I got another call. What? Oh, shit. Th that's what it needs to be. It needs to be, they can't even handle, like, we have to cover this. They will not go away until we do. It needs to pour into every email box, every reporter's personal email. It needs to be like, this is one of the most important things in the world to us. And listen, it should be. You're right to consume the food that you choose should be one of the most important things in your life. It is in your circle of influence, and it should be a big part of your circle of concern, man. So, create the coalitions first. Next, at the state level, this is time to sync up with the Tenth Amendment Coalition um, with um, Michael Bolden's group, the Tenth Amendment Center. We need state after state after state after state at the state legislative level, telling the federal government, the borders of our state are sovereign. The citizens of our state have spoken. We do not need you involved in matters that do not have interstate commerce, specifically with our food supply. We need states passing right-to-farm and protectionist laws to protect our farmers. I know, well, Jack, you're supposed to be an anarchist. I am. I also understand interactive edges. I also understand interactive edges. And one of my fundamental principles is there are battles that are large enough that the individual cannot fight them alone, and they must use all the weapons at their disposal, and I am more than happy to use the weapon of Austin turned onto the tyranny of Washington, D.C. I am more than happy to do so. I don't think the guys in Austin are a bunch of great guys. I really don't. This is not an alliance. This is using them. I'm tired of them using me, so now I'm going to use them. I want them fighting the federal government so I don't have to. Let them fight each other until they both wear themselves out and they both go broke. That's fine with me. But let's, let's, let's be honest with ourselves. If I'm growing something in Dallas and I'm selling it to somebody in Fort Worth, it is no one in D.C.'s business, period. Now, don't think that that in of itself is a solution. It's a start. It's a start. Because actually, most of the tyranny in agriculture is not coming from the federal government. It's coming from the state and local municipalities. It is cities that are shutting down small farms. 
It is states that are interfering with the right of people to raise livestock. So it's, it's only a piece. But at least we need the camel's nose out of the tent. Immediately. And if you are going to your state government and demanding that they keep the federal government out of local food matters, you're also sending them another message. Don't screw with local food. You better protect it or we're going to get rid of your ass. Because getting rid of a state senator or a state rep is not hard. It's a hell of a lot easier than getting rid of a U.S. senator or a U.S. congressman. Just a few pissed off people in one district can do it like that. Now, there's a lot of politics there. There's a lot of money there. There's a lot of local feedback and skip back, but it can still be done. It's not my thing. It really isn't. It's not the place I excel. But I'll damn well support it wherever I can. And there's people that are good at it. And if that's what you're good at, then get involved. Get involved in Tenth Amendment and local ordinance solutions. We need counties stepping up and telling the state, no, no, you're not going to interfere with our county's business. We are going to protect, we are going to protect the rights of our local producers. You start asking these people at the county level, your county commissioners and your local, uh, towns, you know, town councilmen and stuff, do you want to be known as the person that supports your local community, your local economy, the right of people to choose the food they eat, or do you want to be known as the one that opposes it? Because we can make you famous for either one. And you know what? We don't need to make you famous if you're in Tarrant County, Texas, even in Dallas County, Texas. We only need to make you famous in Tarrant County, Texas, and we're going to do just that. We can make you a champion for what we're doing, or we can make you the enemy. It's up to you. This is not a place for you to fight your battles. Give all your cronies kickbacks somewhere else for now. This one's over. We're done. We are choosing what we eat. We are choosing what we feed our children. You don't have a right to make this decision for us. We are commanding you, as your employer, to defend our rights now, this second, immediately. Get it done. Get it done. That needs to be the attitude that we have in dealing with these people, with a little bit more tact. That's why I'm not right for that type of activism. You need to make them fear their loss of power. It is all they understand. You know what they say in a, in a fight with a bully? You have to use force because a bully understands force only. That if you have an enemy that's attacking you physically, that you have to return the physical attack of just at least 1% higher than they are, sufficient force to stop the attack, to bloody the nose, to say, hey, look, you're not going to do this shit anymore. Well, politicians and bureaucrats have only one fear, the loss of employment. And you see, at the federal level, this is why it doesn't work there anymore. There's not a congressman out there that really gives a shit if he's voted out of office. There's not a senator. They don't care. Why would they really care? What's going to happen? Let's see, I got a $160,000 job a year as a, as, a, as a member of the United States House. $168,000 or something like that. I get all my expenses paid and all. That's great. I get travel expenses, I get, a, I get pages and interns that, that I can woo into sexual situations and whatever else I get, you know. I get all this, like, special treatment, and that's all great and all. But what happens if I get voted out of office? Well, I go to all the people that have been paying me up till now that I've proven I'm a good little minion to and say, hey, I still know a lot of people in there. I'd like a job, please. And I get a job making seven, eight $800,000 a year. 
I still stay privy to all the information that's allowed me to legally insider trade. And no one's going to do anything when I insider trade. So I can make millions of dollars in the stock market insider trading because I know what's going to pass and what isn't. And I, I have people that will continue to tell me this. Right? I have a pension for life. Do you know that? I have a pension for life. I have health care for life. One time, I'm good. So they don't care. Guess what? Your state senators, your state congressmen... They're still on the way up the chain. They care. Losing power to them, they get it. It's like having a nose bloodied. So they need to, especially when you get down to like town councils and stuff like that, county commissions, that is painful. Many of these people are not suitable for employment in the real world. They've wiggled their way into a position that pays their fat ass a salary and they are terrified to lose it. Use that fear to your advantage. This is an insurrection. This is a battle. This is a war against tyranny. This is a war against people that tell you you don't have a right to choose what you eat. Do not play nice here. Use the fear of loss of power against them. It is the only thing they understand. Find and exploit all loopholes. I've talked about this before, but to give you an example, I'll do it again. West Virginia said no raw milk. So the way people were getting around it was with herd shares. Finally, that's been reintroduced in West Virginia and now allowed. So you and me and three other people get a cow. We go to a farmer. We say keep our cow for us, milk our cow for us. We split the milk, but it's our cow. That's the way around it. West Virginia closed the loop on that. So another way people got around it was, well, we'll mark the milk as sale uh, for sale as pet food. And, I, and, and they, they passed that. You can't even do that. You can't feed it to your dog. Because they knew what people were doing. So I said, fine, soil amendment. This milk is for amending soil. It's a legitimate, it's a legitimate use of milk. There are all types of soil scientists out there that will say, yeah, spraying milk on, on pasture, yeah, that works, that's good. It does a lot to encourage microbiological bio, life and fungal activity and things. Yeah, it's great. So it's legitimate, you could do that with it. You even label it. To use this product in a manner inconsistent with its labeling is a violation of federal and state law. But the person that buys it can do whatever the hell they want to with it, and they know what it really is. And that's just one example. We need to always look for the loophole. Always look for the loophole. If somebody passes a lot that you can't sell eggs, sell egg cartons for six bucks, and you get the eggs for free. Right? I mean, you need always find the loophole. And use the loophole and do it in a way that if they do shut you down, it makes them look stupid. Tie into the coalitions. Every person is producing local food. This is something I'm going to start working on now. We need a Texas coalition for this. If something already exists, let's use that. And every single local producer should be promoting that to everybody they provide food to. You should understand the government doesn't believe you have a right to choose what you eat. Everything that I do is always at risk. And if you want to preserve your right to buy local and choose local, you need to be part of this coalition. Here's how you join what they're doing. Here's how you get on their email alerts. These are the things they ask their members to commit to doing. Call Local News 8. Do this, do that, whatever. Only when there's a need. But always be there and always be a voice. We need to be doing that. Because the only way we're going to get through this is we need to shame and show the stupidity of the ass clowns in power. We need the average person that generally doesn't give a shit about this going, they did what? That doesn't make any sense. It can't be true. It was on a blog. That's never true. But if it's on News 8, if it's on Fox 4, then it's real to those people. So we need to get it into those mediums. 
We need to be such a force that they can't ignore it. That the, the, the little bit of the newscast that's for real local stuff that's not reading shit off AP and what they're told to do, they're like, we got to do There's so many people bitching about it. We got to do something. I mean, jeez. Right? And if, as soon as one of them carries it, they're all going to carry it. And that is to shame and show the stupidity of the people in power. You need Susie Homemaker going, that's not right. You need Susie, you need 20 Susie Homemakers who are not the usual suspects as part of these coalitions calling their town council or county commissioner or whatever going, what are you doing? I, I want to understand what you're doing. Don't send me a form letter. No, I want to know what you're doing. They, they need to feel like, holy crap. These people are pissed. And they're not going to take this shit lying down. We're going to have to do something. We're going to have to capitulate. You want them to fear, absolutely fear losing power by making them look stupid and shaming them. See, the, the advantage we have as gorillas is I don't really give a shit what you think of me. I don't care. I do not seek your approval or your counsel. Okay? If you are doing better than me at something, I might seek your counsel. If you're not doing as good as me at it or better, I'm not interested in your opinion of what I'm doing. Go prove it yourself, and then I'll look at what you're doing. You don't like me? You think I'm a dick? I don't care. You don't like the way I do my hair? I don't care. You think I dress funny? I don't care. I don't give a shit. And most people that are committed to this don't care either. I do what I do for myself, my family, and my community, and if you don't like it, go away. The people that we are trying to influence care a great deal about public perception. They care a great deal about the way they dress. They care a great deal about the way they're perceived. All you need to do to get a kink in the armor is one little thing that starts to make them look weak or stupid or moronic or oppressing the little guy, and they cower like the cowards they are. They are bullies. They're using the force of the state at the point of a gun to enforce their will that they're paid to enforce on the people of the, uh, on the people they're supposed to serve. But the second, the second they're popped in the nose like the bullies they are, They, they got to cover it up. They got to get rid of it. They got to make it go away. Use that. We need to phone and email bomb local media. Whenever this happens, it needs to be like, there needs to be like one blogger doing a story about that thing going on in New York right now. Every local media agency should be down there and asking, what are you doing? What are you, isn't it true that a vet came out here and looked at these animals and said they're fine? Why are you still doing this if a vet has cleared the animals? What's wrong with you? You need those irritating, pain-in-the-ass reporters doing your bidding. You know what they do? They do whatever they think you'll pay attention to. Remember what I said about mainstream media? Mainstream media is in panic mode right now. Look at me. I matter. I'm relevant. Please stop reading blogs and Facebook. Please pay attention to me. Measles. ISIS. America. Anything. I'll do anything for you to pay attention to me. Use that. Use that. Great, you know what? We'll pay attention to you if you talk about this local story where this poor farmer's being shit on by the government. Well, you will? Yeah, you'll pay attention to me? Yeah, we'll look at you. We'll even applaud you. Maybe we'll give you a newsie or whatever they call local media awards or whatever, you know? Use this shit. Because again, there's still a huge segment of society that turns that stupid boob tube on every day and believes what comes out of it as though it's gospel. And it doesn't qualify for their time and attention unless it gets in there. You gotta use that. Phone and email bomb local media. On the action side. Because that's all the politics. And, and frankly, I could support it, but I'm not, I'm, you can hear me. I'm like a wrecking ball. I, I'm not good at this. I'm not the guy you want at a town council. You, at a meeting. I'm really not. 
You need someone that's a little bit more politically correct that can make them look just as stupid as I do with force. Okay? So I am more on the action side. Number one, plant shit, grow shit, and dare them to stop you. See, if all these people are going to coalesce and support local growers and, and bomb the media and make the politicians look stupid and threaten them, there has to be something for them to fight. So we just keep doing it so they keep coming after us. You want them to come after you. And if they don't, we've won. Either works. You need so many people doing it. There's so many targets. They're constantly coming after us. So they constantly look stupid. So people get tired of it and go, why are you doing this? Get back to, to getting me a tax break or getting me some welfare money or whatever it is that person wants. Get back and quit, quit doing this. We don't want to hear about this anymore. Quit doing this. That's the, the response you need. Well, then there has to be people fighting on the, in the trenches. If you're laying down cover fire, then there has to be something to lay down cover fire for. So understand the political side of this is the cover fire. You're the guy if you're in the pol political side. While the infantry's advancing, you've got the M60 or the 50 cal. And when they're taking fire from the enemy and they're maneuvering to a point where they can actually set up and begin a direct assault, you're boom, 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 boom. Your artillery, mortars, you're the covering force as the politician, the people assaulting the politics. The grower, the rancher, the farmer is the infantryman. Cover his ass. But if you're not going to cover ass, then get out there and fight. And we fight this war by planting shit, growing shit, and daring them to stop us. Now, that doesn't mean being dumb about it. That doesn't mean calling your local food enforcement bureaucrat and going, I'm doing it and you can't stop me, because they'll probably show up. But it means you do it, you don't hide it, and you do it right, and you do everything you can to comply with what you're supposed to comply with. You use every loophole you can to get around that, and you build a customer base, and you make your customers love you. And you let your customers know that you are always at risk of big food. And that means that their vested interest in you is at risk too, and you tie them into the people with the cover fire. This is a war. Start thinking like that. You don't have to actually fire guns. You don't actually have to draw blood to have a war. This is a war. It has to be fought with guerrilla tactics. The tactic is the weapon here. They have to look as stupid as they are to the people that normally don't pay attention. This is how you get that done. Feed your neighbors. Give them a stake in your success. If you're growing eggs, don't sell them to the people on both sides of you. Give them away. Consider it marketing dollars. Consider it lobbying fees. Give them to everybody who borders your... Just here, here's eggs. When you need more, tell me. Have all you want. Until such time as they're taking 10 dozen instead of their own, you know, front store and selling your eggs at no profit to you. You know, how many eggs does a family, how many eggs do you have to give a family a week? Even if they use three dozen, if you give them one, doesn't it actually, don't they like, oh, this is part, I have a stake in this now. Give your neighbors a stake. If you know how to propagate plants, give them fruit trees. Like, we're going to plant some apple trees. You know what? Here. Here's three. The right three for this area. Plant them. Let me come over there and help you do it. We need to be in a mode where none of us fear competition. I had somebody come to our Work With Jack weekend this weekend and said, well, we're growing ducks now up that way. Hopefully we're not conflicting. It's like, no. Do it. Do it. Farmers are the one group of people that don't fear competition, and we never need to. 
Every mouth out there needs food to go in it, and every ass pushes it out. 24 hours later, there's a constant, ongoing, growing demand for food. We do not need to fear competition. We need to spread it like a disease, a positive virus. The best thing you can do if you want to sell to somebody is get them growing a little bit of their own food because they'll never grow enough if they have a normal life. So if you're a grower, you need to create growers in your customer base. They're not going to buy less. They're going to buy more. They're going to get a taste for it. They're going to want more. And if they do eventually rise up and become a full-time grower, they're going to be a partner in what you're doing. We need millions of us. We need co-ops everywhere. We need to fight tyranny with guerrilla warfare tactics and to the point where tyranny goes, this one's lost. We need to make them feel like the British during the Revolutionary War. Okay? That's the perfect analogy. Like, geez, they just won't go away. They just won't give up. And they keep running and scattering and fighting and regrouping. And every time we turn around, and your state governments, they're France. The colonists didn't make an alliance with France because they thought the French were a bunch of good guys that wanted to support a, a new republic. They understood France's power. They understood France's vested interest in it, and they used France. Use If you're in Texas, use Austin. If you're in Florida, you use Tallahassee. Okay. If you're in Virginia, you use Richmond. If you're in Georgia, use Atlanta. Is Atlanta the capital of Georgia? Did I mess that one up? Or is it Savannah? Nah, Atlanta's got to be the capital of Georgia, right? Anyway, you know, use your state capital. You know, if you're in California, use Sacramento. Sacramento is turned against you, but you can turn them back toward your side. It's becoming cool for states to stand up to the federal government now. Even socialist states feel that way. Like, well, you know, whoever they are, they always feel that the other side's causing all the problems in Washington. Use it against them. That's the cover fire for the infantry that's the growers. Buy local and share local food and stories of local food. Don't Even if you're a grower, don't just grow your own food. Buy from other producers. Tell them about what you're doing. Ask them how you can help. Build multiple coalitions. Build all these coalitions like guerrilla war. There's no leader. There's no one in charge. There's just a common goal. We all want the right to freely choose who we buy our food from, what food we eat, and we can make our own decisions about what's good for our bodies, not you. Thank you. Go away. That needs to be the unifying ideal. And if they try to stomp somebody out, it doesn't matter. They're not in charge. You need a leaderless organization, and you need thousands of leaderless organizations made up of millions of people. The grower, the customer, all the way down to Susie Homemaker. And we need to start using weapons of mass creation. The grafting knife is a weapon of mass creation. The seed ball is a weapon of mass creation. The gorilla garden of Ron Finley planting a vegetable garden in a highway margin is a weapon of mass creation. We need food just appearing places. This is targeted, nonviolent civil disobedience. And it is the number one way that wrongs have been made right in society. So if anybody asks why you would do such a thing, well, because it worked, it worked for civil rights. Why shouldn't it work for food rights? Martin Luther King encouraged civil disobedience. Muhammad Gandhi encouraged peaceful civil disobedience. 
because the rights of individuals to be treated as equals were being oppressed. Well, my right to eat the food that I choose is being oppressed by my government, who has standing legislation that states I do not have that right. So I'm following the track record of success. We're not going to comply with something that is a direct violation of our rights. And law enforcement officers, this is where you can help. You need to stop being willing to enforce such laws. You need to say, I'm not doing that. That wasn't the intent of this law. You don't, if there's a vet that says these animals are healthy, then I'm not going to enforce this based on the fact that they're supposedly not. I'm not doing it. Go do it your damn self. Again, like I said yesterday, as a law enforcement official in this country, your first duty isn't to keep your job. Your first duty isn't to please the people in power over you. Your first duty is not to enforce the will of the state. No, your first duty is to keep your freaking oath. Keep your freaking oath. Protect and serve the people who have entrusted you with an ungodly amount of right and power. Please. We need to use weapons of mass creation. These people that are going in and taking these uh, ornamental fruit trees and grafting onto them when nobody's looking, hallelujah, man, keep it up. People like Ron Finley did not change the law in Los Angeles by going to the town council and begging them to let him plant a garden. He just did it. Weapons of mass creation. See, the reality is we as human beings have been lied to many, many ways, but one of the most insidious lies is that the human being is a virus. The human being is a force of destruction. No, power wielded by humans over other humans is a virus. Power is a source of destruction. The human being himself, when trusted to be what he really is, someone who cares about his family and his community and those around him, is a regenerative force. We are the only species that we know of, and I'm sure there's more, but we are the only species that we know of in the universe that creates life intentionally, by design. We are the only creature that we know of that can plan and plant a forest. There are natural beings on this planet, like pigs and, and wild cattle, etc., that extend a forest, that are intrinsic to the health of a forest, but they can't get together and say, there's an empty space there, let's make a forest. And let's make a forest that will feed people. And let's do it this way. We're the only thing that can do that. We are a healing force to a planet that we ourselves have damaged. And we need to start acting like it. With weapons of mass creation. We should be creating food systems everywhere. One of the things I've said so many times to you is uh, society grows great when old men plant trees under whose shade they know they shall never sit. Well, I believe it is time. That is a very ancient Greek proverb, and there is a hell of a lot of wisdom in it, but I am ready for the 2.0 version of it. A society grows great when all of its citizens plant trees under whose shade they know they shall never sit. I will plant a tree even if I am a young man, even if I know that tree will offer shade in my lifetime, even if it's in a place where I will never return. Even if the fruit of it will never be consumed by myself or my family or my community, even if it's someone I will never know, I will do it because it is the right thing. 
it is time for us to take that on as a challenge with weapons of mass creation, seeds, and grafting knives should be our weapon in this war. Now, there's a reality we have to accept in all this. It's not going to happen overnight. We need to accept the fact that those in power have targeted food and water and shelter and energy and health and education. That This is more than just food. Food is just one of the places I think we can make the most headway the quickest on. And I'll tell you what I, why I think that's important. I think we need... If you think about things like the American Revolution and Washington getting through Valley Forge, there still needed to be a victory. Even a small, somewhat insignificant to the total, a victory that the troops could look at and go, we can win this. We can, we can, this can work. We are at that point in the insurrection where we need a victory. Not just like one little one, but like one pillar to feel like, hey, We've made a significant difference here, and the tide is turning the right direction. I believe that food is the one place that we have the best chance of getting that first early victory at the pillar level. Because it is the one that people are most in touch with. First thing you do when someone from out of town is coming in is figure out what you're going to do for dinner. Food is the most fundamental human thing that we share in common. The first thing you do when someone comes from another place is share your food with them and want to sample the food that they have from where they're from. It is fundamentally human. It is real. It is in everybody's body. It is, it is necessary to health and nutrition. People care. Even people eating garbage food really wish they weren't. So we have not only right on our side, but we have momentum on our side if we simply choose to grab onto it and push it forward. And we need that victory. Uh, not a, maybe a total victory, but a significant preponderance of movement of the pendulum back to the side of right in food. And then people will say, if we can do it with food, then we can do it with water, then we can do it with shelter, then we can do it with energy, then we can do it with education, then we can do it with health. I believe the first two we do it on is food and education. They do not require anybody's permission. There might be opposition, but the actions require no permission. We could just start doing it. The next thing is, we have to understand that everything we get back must be taken. The state, the corporatocracy, and the plutocracy will not give you one bit of your sovereign right to choose what you eat back. None of it will be freely given every inch on the battlefield will have to be taken by force. Now force, again, doesn't have to be violence. and There should be no violence in this. There's no need for violence. There is no call for violence. But force takes on many different apparatus. And in this case, force is, again, things like using their own weapons against them, the weapons of the media, making them look stupid, making them fear the loss of power, making them fear being shamed further. We must take action on this issue. Nothing, zero, will be given. All must be taken through force. Intelligent, strategic force. Do you get that? I hope you do. Because we cannot win a war if we're not going to be honest about the fact that that's what we're in. They want it all. They want to control exactly 
what type of structure you live in. They want to tell you what the temperature on your thermostat has to be. They want to tell you that you can't put a window on a certain wall. There are codes that say that. You can't have too many windows on this wall. I'm dead serious. There are codes now all over the country that want to tell you the minimum size you can build a home to. And many of them are now in excess of 2,000 square feet. I just looked at land that was for sale down the road from here. Out in the middle of the country. Minimum 2,400 square foot building size. How does this make any sense? I, I mean, it makes perfect sense. If you're government, it makes sense because you want a, a dwelling large enough to significantly tax to steal money from people based on the fact that they own property. But how does it make any sense for humankind? How does it make any sense for humankind that a place out in the middle of the country, you're going to tell someone they can't build a house that's 900 square feet? It's illegal. Makes no sense. Makes no sense at all. So we have to take that power back. They want total control. We also need to be completely honest with ourselves about what we're talking about here. Food and water freedoms are the most fundamental human rights we have. Now, I'm not a person that believes that every person should be provided with something because it's a right. So since water is a human right, that if you live somewhere where water isn't, someone should be required at their own expense to give you water. But to impede your access to water, I find, is just reprehensible. To impede your access to food, to tell you what you can eat, to tell you what you can drink, to tell you how much you can have when what you're doing is not taking from someone else, is atrocious. It's tyranny at the highest order. To tell a mother what she can or cannot feed her child is the greatest tyranny that the mankind has ever experienced. When you look at it from the fundamental reality of individual freedom and choice, he just said it's equivalent to gassing people in gas chambers. No, I did not. That's depriving people of life, which is another fundamental right, and, and freedom of movement, which is another fundamental human right. But the reason that food and water can be more insidious is because it can be done under the veil and the cloak of doing good for the very people you're harming. See, when you take people and murder them, you can make a case to the rest of society, this is necessary for you. But no one can make a legitimate case to anybody with a brain that you're doing the best thing for the people you're killing. You might try, but you're going to fail at that. It's only sick people that would entertain that belief as cover fire. But you can say, we can't let people have raw milk under the bullshit guise of actually protecting the person who you are enacting a tyranny upon. That is why it's so insidious. If I control what you eat, what do I not control? Think about it that way. If I control how you feed yourself, an army marches on its stomach. If I want to sequester rebellion, all I have to do is control the rebellion's stomach. Well, again, this is an insurrection. Those of you in power that listen to this show, and I know some of you do, good luck with that. We're growing food. We're not going to stop. We're not going away. This is our planet, too. This is our country, too. You cannot have it. We will not give it to you. We will not lay down. We will not quit. We will not go away. And the harder you fight us, the stupider, the dumber, and the weaker you're going to look. 
the best thing the people in power could do right now in this local food movement is 100% unconditional surrender. That is the, the best thing you could do for yourselves. And fortunately for us, you're too stupid to figure that out. You're going to lose more than you ever had to as far as control of people and what they eat because you're dumb enough to fight a battle that you cannot win. I, I want to be very clear. Anybody that's in this bureaucratic nonsense right now, that's part of this, this is a battle you cannot win. This is an idea that won't go away. I am not the voice of it. I am but one voice in a sea of millions who are fed up with it. It will never... Surrender is your only choice. And you're too stupid to surrender. So be it. If there is to be a battle here, let it be now. Because victory is certain in this battle. As long as it's fought. And I don't think there's anything to be done to stop it now. Too many people are aware. And new people become aware every day. And the people that you have lulled into zombiehood, the one thing that will get their attention is, the government says, you can't eat that. Wait a minute. Zombie confused. Zombie eat brains. Yeah, but not those brains. Oh. That doesn't make sense. I'm telling you. You're, you're, you are just seeing the tip of an iceberg of a sleeping giant that is about to rise. This won't go away. You can't have it. We won't give it to you. This is the place for peaceful civil disobedience on every level. This is the place for it. More so than, than education. See, because education is not even civil disobedience. There's no, there's no civil disobedience in creating a learning methodology. Right? But there is civil disobedience in planting certain things in certain places. There is civil disobedience in the form of figuring out how to work against the legal system so people can access the food that they want to have. Sometimes civil disobedience is not a direct violation of the law. In fact, that's usually the worst way to enact civil disobedience. Civil disobedience is getting around the intent of the law through technicality. Civil disobedience is the person that technically breaks the law by going to the other state to buy milk on behalf of everybody else and bringing it across state lines and making a federal offense. But then says, do you, do, do you really want that? Do you really want to be the federal prosecutor that prosecuted a guy in his 1976 Plymouth Valari uh, that brought a couple of his buddies a gallon of milk when he came back from Kansas or Nebraska or whatever? Do you really want to be that guy? Do you really? Because it doesn't look good for you. It doesn't look good for you at all. I don't think people are going to be okay with that. That's where we need to be. This needs to be the place where we draw a line in the soil. There's a new Facebook page out there for making for posting quotes from the Survival Podcast on. I'll put a link to it in today's show notes. But there's one for you. Draw a line in the soil. You know the old statement, draw a line in the sand? Screw that. Sand doesn't grow anything, in the words of Sam Kennison. Nothing grows in this shit, remember that? Huh? Draw a line in the soil. To hither thou shalt come and no further. This is my land. I bought it. I paid for it. I'm going to grow my own food. If you don't like it, piss off. Jack with me and I'll jack with you back. I'm not one. I'm many. Do you know how many 
millions of Americans feel the way that I do? Do you know how many millions of Americans I don't contend to speak on behalf of, but I know in spirit I speak for? Millions, millions, those of you in the bureaucratic nonsense. Please get that through your thick-ass skulls. Millions. And we're growing every day. And it is the most unlikely coalition of individuals, and that should scare the shit out of those in power. It is hippies and liberals and neoconservatives that feel this way, all at the same time. It is libertarians, it is anarchists, it is Democrats, it is Republicans. This is so universal, so intrinsic, that it only takes a person 15 seconds of pulling their head out of the dichotomy to realize, no matter what I think about everything else, I should be able to buy the food that I want from the people I want to buy it from. And, and, and if my grandma can cook a pie and give it to me, then why can't my neighbor cook a pie and sell it to me if that's what I want? Draw a line in the soil. It's time. It's time to say no more. It's time to tell them, this is one thing you cannot have. You will not take from me my right to choose what I eat. You will not take from me my right to feed my community. You will not take from me my right to provide the means of food production to others. You will not take away from me my right to choose how I nourish my, my, my children. You will not take away from me my right to choose how I nourish my parents and my, my fellow members of my community. You will not take my fundamental right to food freedom from me. I've drawn a line in the soil. Cross it at your own peril. And with that, this has been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough, or even if they don't. Seeing our food these days, you know it's on our TVs. Sometimes we forget we are what we eat. I don't know the answer It's like there's nothing I can do It's the price we pay, I guess And we follow all the rules There's a better way to do this Let me show you a better way Nobody up there cares, they're living